This episode sponsored by Vistage. With more than 20,000 members, it's where CEOs go to grow their companies and themselves. Learn more at Vistage.com. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode of the Grow My Revenue Business Cast, I'm talking about some specific questions that I get that you want answered. And the big question that I get asked very often comes down to, what should I do if my customer has gone silent? What if they're not returning my phone calls, they're not responding to emails, what's going on? Well, the common thing that we do kind of triggers what we like to call an adversarial trap. And what I mean by that is the most common response people take is, hey, just calling to check in, want to see if you made a decision yet. Now, ask yourself how many times you've heard someone say something like that in your business. I know for a lot of companies, it's kind of embarrassing because they say it all the time. And of course, if you were on the receiving end of that, you'd probably hang up the phone right away. See, a lot of sellers fall into the trap of a disease or a condition that I refer to as axis displacement disorder, ADD. And it's a different type of ADD than you may hear about in terms of attention deficit, but sometimes has similar effects. And so in axis displacement disorder, that's when the person doing the selling believes that the axis of the earth has shifted. It now goes in their head, out their rear, and the world revolves around them. So naturally, what happens is when your customer isn't returning your phone calls, they're not responding to your messages, you take it as a personal affront. But what I want you to think about is, think about a time when you didn't return a message or an email, when you didn't get back to somebody's phone call, when you saw them on caller ID and didn't answer the call, and what was going on in your head? Well, my guess is it comes down to a few potential scenarios. One is you didn't find that the call was all that important or what they were talking about was relevant to you. You forgot that you spoke to them, probably because it wasn't a big enough priority. You didn't understand why it is you need to follow up with them. Or <laughs> what often happens is life. And what I mean is you leave, you have this great discussion with this customer, and 30 seconds after you leave the room, their spouse calls and they just had an accident with a car and now it needs some body work. Or they're stranded on the road somewhere. Or their mother-in-law is coming in to visit and they don't get along with them. Any of those things can happen. And of course, they just forgot about your stuff. Well, to understand what's going on in terms of the dynamics, I want to make sure that we remember how executives make decisions. And I've done this research with over 5,000 CEOs and executives around the world. And I run them through a scenario that says, hey, you're looking to buy this Gazertenblatt, and someone on your team told you, oh, we want to buy this thing, and it's $20,000. What are the questions you would have to have answered to be comfortable approving or denying their request to buy this Gazertenblatt? And I have executives go through this exercise. They come up with their top five, and then in teams, they reduce it from their top five to the top three. 
And the top three come down to this. What problem do you solve and why do you need it? What's the likely results that the company would receive from making this investment? And then finally, why should they buy it from you or what are the alternatives? Well, so if you think about that, that means that in order for us to capture someone's attention, we need to be in complete sync with them about what problem we solve and why they need what we do and what the likely results are. And of course, if you study the same side quadrants, then you understand that's the type of information we want to collect as we go through the sales process. So when we follow up, don't follow up by saying, hey, just calling to check in, want to see if you made a decision yet. Instead, think through what's important to them. Now, don't discount. Don't beg and plead, but instead, follow up with value. So you could reply to them and say, hey, I haven't heard back from you. When we talked last time, you mentioned you had this issue that was costing you a great deal of money. It was something that if you didn't solve it, you might actually lose your job. I wanted to make sure we hadn't dropped the ball in following up with you. The other thing that you can do is you can follow up with content because oftentimes the way today's buyers work is a little bit different than the way they used to. Meaning right now, buyers will spend a fair amount of time researching your company and products before they reach out to you, which by the way may mean that they've misdiagnosed. They then reach out to you for some information they couldn't find. And then once you give them that information, they may be going through their own internal processes that they have to figure out. Now, you don't have to have that be a mystery. You can ask them, when you've made decisions like this in the past, what was the process that you followed? Who else got involved? How can we help support you through that process so you can make an objective decision? That way, you're engaged in the process. It's less of a surprise. Now, when I say follow up with content, let's say that you're selling some sort of technology service or some sort of consulting service, and you've created content that says the biggest risks associated with this type of project. Well, you can share that with them and say, hey, I haven't heard from you. I want to make sure you know we're still here to support you. And here is a piece of unbiased information that you might find relevant. Now, the key to that is that I said unbiased information. So it can't be entirely skewed to your side of the world. Because remember, in same-side selling, your goal is to see if there's a good fit between you and the customer, not convince them that they need stuff that may not be a fit for them. So it's key to create unbiased content that gives a balanced message because let's face it, if you went to someone's site and the information wasn't balanced, you're probably not going to want to go back there. But if the information is balanced and unbiased, now you see it as a reliable source. Which begs the question, how much content should you produce? How many words? And what's the frequency of it? And this is a question that I recently got via Ron. And so Ron asked this question, and I want to make sure I address it here. And this is a, it's a common question, and it's a reasonable question to ask. But the answer really isn't about how often you produce content, and it isn't about how many words. Instead, it's about are you addressing the questions that are most important for your customers? Are you supporting the decisions they're trying to make in their business? And if you are, then you're helping your customers make it easier to do business with you. So instead, what you want to think about, and this is something that my buddy Marcus Sheridan is the master at teaching, is what are the big questions that your customers are asking? And the initial knee-jerk reaction is, oh, I don't really know. Well, guess what? If you talk to your customers, you probably do know. 
you do know what kind of questions they're asking you. And all I want you to do is start writing those down and keeping track of them. And then make sure that you're addressing those questions on your website. And make sure that you give unbiased information. So you may want to talk about some things that ordinarily would be controversial, but that's okay. And the idea is that you're trying to address questions in advance that build someone's confidence and build their trust so they're more likely to do business with you than they are with somebody else. Now, it may sound a little bit scary to start talking about key questions. Like someone might ask you a question that says, well, what are some of the things that could go wrong with an implementation like this? And you don't want to address it. But guess what? If you address it and your competitors don't, who's your customer going to feel more comfortable working with? You gave an honest assessment. Everyone else is hiding from it. So it's going to build their confidence and their trust because you address it. Now, it doesn't mean that you say, oh, these are the big risks and we're a bunch of losers, so we don't know how to address that. No, you're going to literally say to them, here are the big risks and here's what we do to mitigate those risks. And anybody competent is going to know that these are valid issues, and that's why we brought this to the forefront so you don't have any surprises. And the customer says, wow, these guys are transparent. They get it. They're speaking the truth, and this is someone I can trust. Now, here's a dangerous piece. How many pieces of biased information can you have on your website? And what I want you to think about is this. Think about the politician who lies about one thing. And then it makes you not trust everything else they say. The same sort of thing happens on your website. If you give one piece of information that says, we're the greatest things in sliced bread for everybody, then it makes it harder for your customer to believe you when you say that, oh, in this situation, we're a good fit for you because you already said that you're great for everybody. The single most trafficked page on my website is a section that says, problems we solve. And it may sound weird, but that's the connection back to what problems to solve and why do I need it, which is the first piece of information people need to make a decision. So when your customer has gone silent, remember, it's not about you, it's about them. It's possible that you haven't established why your information is important. They may have just forgotten about you or life may have happened. So you need to remember how people make decisions, which comes down to what problem you solve and why do they need it and what's the likely results, and make sure that you don't follow up by pandering and saying things like, hey, just calling to check in, want to see if you made a decision yet. Don't discount because that's not going to build someone's confidence. They're not going to feel like, oh, these guys have great value. Instead, they're going to say, oh, they were trying to rip me off before. So discounting is not the answer. Finally, when we follow up, you want to follow up using the information in those same side quadrants and then use content that would help them. And getting back to Ron's question, it doesn't matter how often, it doesn't matter how long the articles are, as long as they provide value and answer the questions that are important for your customer. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener, and our popularity is a direct reflection of you giving generous comments, subscribing, and sharing this episode, and for that matter, the show, with your friends and colleagues. 
if you know someone I should have as a guest on the show, or you have a topic you'd love for me to cover, or even just a question you want me to address, please let me know by sending me an email at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at GrowMyRevenue.